Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. My name is Tony Kerr and with me as ever, it's Guernsey Press Sports Editor Gareth of Prevo. Hi Tony. Good to see you Gareth, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I'm very grateful that the sun's out to be honest and uh, it should make our weekend a lot easier than it was last weekend. Is it set fair? Have a look. It is. There's, uh, there's a, I think there's a bit of rain coming through Saturday night into Sunday morning but uh, I, I'm pretty confident that most of, most of Saturday sport will be going ahead yeah lots going on this weekend um we'll come on to all of that uh, in a moment we'll also be talking cricket because uh yeah it's been a busy week for ben fairrush um he's been working with guernsey's youngsters um all week in the college sports hall and he's been joined by former hampshire pro james tomlinson um who is now part of the uh, county's uh pathway um set up uh, over there um and uh, yeah really interesting um kind of burgeoning informal link developing between guernsey cricket and hampshire once again of course there is a a bit of uh, history there which we'll get into um we had a really nice chat with them um well yeah about the work that they've been doing about um the young players that are getting a bit of experience um with uh, hampshire's age group sides uh or have been over the last year and will be uh, looking ahead to a busy summer with them as well um and as well about uh, the work going on in state schools uh, in the island to uh, to bolster the numbers coming through um that's to come but let's have a look ahead at what is going to be a very busy weekend particularly down at foot slane i was uh, uh, popped into raid is training um, last night to uh, get a preview clip with Sam Boyland, which you can see on uh, our um, Going to Press Sport accounts and on the Raiders channels as well. They were training on the uh, Astro at the MF, the, the college pitch down there. It was very warm. Uh, there was no mud. It was very pleasant. Um, so yeah, good conditions really for them to get ready for what is another big game. Um, yeah, Gareth Dorking coming to town and it's four from four so far this year for Raiders. Yeah, they're, they're flying at the moment. Since the turn of the year, Raiders have been unbeaten. Um, they just about managed to hang on to that uh, last weekend. Certainly in terms of scoreline, they sort of edged past Worthing in, in the Battle of the Raiders uh, 31-28. Um, talking to Jordan Reynolds about that game, though, he, he felt that his, his side created a lot more chances, but they just weren't quite perhaps on it as they should have been in the first half. And once he gave them a bit of a roasting at halftime, um, they they um, got their act together and they were very very good after the after the interval. So um, another good win for for Raiders. This one against Dorking is going to be um, pretty much the toughest they've had this year so far in 2024. Dorking um, they started the season absolutely flying. I think they won eight from eight, which included a 59-14 win over over Guernsey. Um, they then had a bit of a sort of a, a sticky patch, but uh, they're now sort of properly back in the title race. They're only uh, five points, I think, off top spot. They're currently third, and um, they'll be a, a real tough test for Guernsey. But it's it's one which, um, yeah, Jordan and his team are looking to respond to, to that defeat to Dorking earlier in the season. They want to they want to prove to their opposition that they're they're capable of more than what they showed on that occasion. Yeah, and all of a sudden, um, for Jordan Reynolds' side, it's gone from kind of relegation worries. Um, to now looking to secure their best ever finish um, in the sort of back half of the season. Yeah, there was there was definite um, a definite threat of relegation over the sort of like the Christmas period. But funnily enough, in the, in that last game of last year, even though they ended up being defeated at Seven Oaks, um, Jordan was really pleased with what he saw. Sort of um, he saw very encouraging signs from his side, and they've obviously carried on that. They've taken that momentum into into the new year. 
And yeah, they've gone from, although they've actually only climbed one place, it seems quite strange when you win four in a row winning, yeah. with bonus points every week that you've only climbed one place. But they are now just one point behind eighth place and they've got a game in hand on both the sides above them. So um, yeah, they're, they're, they've been sort of climbing um, in terms of points for sure. And there'll be a match for pretty much anybody. Uh, this weekend, they, they're missing a couple of their stars. I think um, I'd be fair to say, even at sort of this relatively early stage, that Kieran McGann will be uh, a, a, one of the main contenders for their player of the season. So um, they're missing him for a couple of weeks while he recovers from injury. And then, um, as it turns out, it's uh, another McGann taking his place with his younger brother, Niall, coming into the centres. Um, Carter Hackett is also missing this weekend, but uh, the good news is Hugo Colverhouse is back and he's one of the other informed players at the moment. So, um, yeah, there, there's um, a lot of good things going on with the Raiders squad at the moment. And, yeah, Dorking will be a real test, but I think it's one they're looking forward to. Yeah, that one, a two o'clock kickoff uh, on the grandstand. Busy afternoon of rugby. Um, lots going on. Um, St. Jack's also in action. Guernsey Raiders ladies too. And they're coming off the back of a, uh, well, a longer rated and a much celebrated first win of the season. Yeah, they had a great win, uh, 26 10 um, on the road last week against the um, Aylesford Bulls. Um, I think it's, it's sort of the way that that side's been trending. The Guernsey Raiders ladies have had a lot of sort of newcomers and sort of uh, inexperienced uh, players join their squad this season. So um, they're just learning the game. It's it's um, it's certainly progressing, and it's great for for them to get that for the, get that win with uh, four tries into the bargain as well. So they'll be looking to follow that up um, against Farnham Falcons uh, on the club pitch on Saturday afternoon. That one's at one o'clock, and yeah, Vikings they they're sort of like they need to win again to get their um, promotion hopes back on track. They lost a narrow one to the United Services Portsmouth in their last outing away from home a fortnight ago. And that was one which they were leading most of the game and sort of just got pipped at the pipped at the post right at the end. So they'll be looking for a big response to that. And uh, they should have a good crowd. It should be a really good day down at Foots Lane. It's absolutely jam-packed with um, all that going on as well as big hockey games. So, um, yeah, it's a lot to look forward to. And they're playing Winchester Seconds, who um, they ran them close earlier in the season. So it should be another good game. Yeah, going to be difficult to know where to look really at Foots Lane on Saturday. Uh, yeah, tell us about the hockey because, um, yeah, Guernsey's men in action in the National Cup against a much storied uh, English club. Yeah, in uh, East Grinstead are one of the um, sort of one of the most successful clubs in, in English hockey. They've I think they've won the Premier League title about four times in, in sort of relatively recent history as well. Um, it's a it's their second team. It's because of the Tier Two Championship be their second team. But I mean that means there's going to be a lot of good youngsters playing for East Grinstead. It's guys who are sort of pushing on the fringes of their first team. So they'll be a real tough opposition. Um, Guernsey actually played I think East Grinstead a couple of years ago in, in the same competition and it was a really good game I think we ended up on the wrong end of a I think it was a 5-4 defeat it was a really good game um, so hopefully it'll be a, sort of similar in terms of entertainment but um, we'll, get, we'll get on the right side of the result this time Yeah let's hope so a 1 o'clock start that one um, on the Astro so uh, yeah busy day down there and of course, you'll be able to read all about what happens um, in the Guernsey Press next week. Report and reaction um, from uh, yeah, all of the big sport this weekend. Um, let's turn our attention to cricket. Uh, yeah, because it's been a yeah, busy week in the college sports. All lots of sessions and, and, and training going on um, with Guernsey's youngsters. I think Guernsey's men um, beginning their kind of build up as well, um, starting to get back at it, um, which is good to see. Um, uh, well, it's 
sort of seemingly quite going to be quite an unbelievably busy summer of cricket um, locally and uh, and on the road as well for um, for Guernsey's uh, well senior sides and age groups as well. And one man who's been helping out with Guernsey's promising youngsters this week is James Tomlinson, um, the Hampshire Pathway Manager, uh, someone who had a fine county career and is uh, yeah now helping out as part of what is a yeah as we said at the top a bit of a burgeoning um, link between Guernsey cricket and Hampshire. And um, yeah, yeah, I say he had a fine career. He really did, didn't he, James? <laughs> He did, yeah. He's he's one of those, you see the name, you think, yeah, it rings a bell from sort of um, 10, 15 years ago. And then you sort of do a bit more research and you realise he was uh, one time the leading wicket taker in the county championship back in 2008. He was a, a very, very, probably more than useful uh, left arm swing seam bowler. And um, yeah, he's he had a fantastic career for Hampshire. He ended up taking sort of up towards 400 wickets in the county championship. So that's a, that's a really great effort. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's obviously a lovely guy as well, a very uh, very humble and modest, but he just obviously loves his cricket, and it's uh, that sort of enthusiasm sort of rubs off on on anyone you you sort of speak to. Yeah, this link between Guernsey and Hampshire uh, has been kind of um, sort of re-sparked, I guess, if you like, where, since Jeremy Frith has come in as director of cricket. Of course, uh, Hampshire's academy came over at the start of last season to play against Guernsey's men. They'll be back this year alongside Somerset Academy, as you'll hear as well, which is um, uh, yeah, really. Uh, enticing, exciting opportunity to kick off the season um, for the island side. Um, so yeah, he came in to tell us, uh, well, a bit about how this relationship is going between Guernsey and Hampshire and alongside Ben Fairbrush um, to uh, look at uh, yeah the development opportunities for young players, um, two of whom, uh, Harry Johnson and Charlie Forshaw, have been involved um, over the last year or so and are looking to have a big summer. James Furby, welcome to the pod. Good to see you. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Making the most of your services this week. Yeah, no, I've had a good week so far. Um, helping out with uh, with the Guernsey EPP and then we're helping through the coaches and the, and the age groups. And I also got to work with the men's last night, which was which was great. Yeah, good stuff. Um, before we get into what you've been doing, just James, give us a bit of a potted history of, of your your journey in cricket. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm from Hampshire. So I, and I played, uh, played cricket for Hampshire from when I was 19 through to... 35 had a really good career with them uh, mainly in the longer format stuff all the modern franchise <laughs> t20 sort of i missed i missed that boat sadly but um but yeah i played for them and i had yeah, two older brothers who i played a lot of cricket with uh, that always that helped me i think massively and then yeah i got, got into the hampshire squad and then at 35 i retired and i was lucky to um get a job with hampshire working in their pathway so i now run sort of under 12s county under 12s all the way through to the 18s and my job really is to um, identify the players for the academy, Hampshire Academy, uh, for future professionals, and also uh, you know identify and develop the players to, to in all our age groups, but particularly thinking about how strong our under 18s can be. So that's sort of my my uh, my job. Yeah, brilliant. And I know we've got a couple of young players who are sort of involved um, with the kind yeah. of age group set up at Hampshire now. Um, just uh, tell us about how you became kind of associated with Guernsey Cricket and what's brought well, you this it's, week. It, it was mainly um, it was mainly frithy, actually. So are we, uh, at Hampshire, we've always had a, a link with Guernsey. Uh, Nick Pothas did a lot of coaching um, quite a long time ago. How long ago would that have been? Yeah, that's probably... Barely. Eight, nine years? Eight, nine years, yeah. yeah. I was thinking left here so, over eight years, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Nick's, Nick Skeg has played for um, <laughs> Hampshire a long time. So we've always had that connection. Lee Savadon, obviously, before that, would that be, yeah, we've had to say. But, um, 
Um, but yeah, so Frithy got in touch, Jeremy Frith, um, who I remember as a, as a 12-year-old bowling at him uh, for Appleshaw versus Sparshaw and thinking he was sort of a legend of cricket back then. <laughs> so he'll be pleased, he'll be pleased I said that. So the, the name Jeremy Frith has always resonated. Did you get much joy? Uh, I, got, I think I got him out. Yeah, yes. If you anyway, played against you got him out. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have. And then... Um, and so he got in touch and yeah, and I thought, okay, well, we can see how it's going. Um, we have actually had players from Jersey over the years come and train with Hampshire. So the link is, is, is possible. Obviously players can fly over quite, quite easily, vice versa. But actually we ended up doing an academy, Hampshire Academy tour last spring and we're doing it again this spring. And it was really good. We had a week here, uh, playing against the men's team. Um, so that's how it sort of started. And then he identified, and obviously Ben as well, you know, a couple of players that might benefit from training in our pathway because that's what the players need on, on this island. They need that exposure to other players, other cricket, um, to see what, you know, to see what good looks like ultimately. That's sort of my job to try and show and demonstrate what good looks like in a pathway. And both Charlie and Harry came over last summer, played a couple of games, did well in our 16s. And they've got two uh, under-17s now players who I think are... You know, county age group under seventeens players. They're they're good, and it's been nice to see them develop. And they've popped over a couple of times this winter, and I've come over in this gap to do a bit of work with them as well to try and keep it keep the continuation. So that's all sort of how it all is going. And we're and I'll be back here in another about six weeks to do our preseason tour, which Somerset are coming on as well because we've all got good contacts with Somerset. Um, the ex person who did my job before. Does it uh, runs the academy at Somerset? So we've got a nice link there, and they are. I think they are. If he answers his emails, they are <laughs> definitely coming over in uh, in April. That's really good to hear. I mean, Furby, this relationship seems to be sort of building, uh, has been built over the last couple of years, and, and as, you know, as James said, kind of going back longer in terms of sort of individual relationships. Is, is it fair to say it's, it's very much a sort of informal link at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we sort of lean on James probably probably quite a lot, I think, um, which is great for our development as coaches. Um, and then also, like we said, for the boys uh, to have to have a link in there uh, into Hampshire, which yeah, I know both Charlie and Harry are, are absolutely loving being involved. And it sounds like then we've got uh, yeah quite a nice uh, little fixture list coming together for this summer as well. Um, yeah, how much of a success was it having Hampshire come over last year and, and, and presumably kind of looking to replicate that and, and build on it with Somerset as well? Yeah, I think it was massive, really. It was a great start to the season. Um, I mean, for me, it was a bit of a hit the ground running. I'd just come back from traveling. So <laughs> it probably wasn't the first thing I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, uh, th this year it was, you know, another one that we were keen to get in. Um, not only does it let us sort of see where the men's team are at, it also allows us to to sort of compare where Hampshire are at, at that age group uh, with our own age group. So sort of from my coaching point of view, it allows me to watch games and sort of go, oh, I actually compare our own players to these players. Um, and actually, it, it, that's a nice thing to do. So, so we know where we stand in terms of a county system as Guernsey. And how important is it to have a, a link with a county that you can kind of uh, use to, to sort of bridge that gap for, for young players, but for, for everyone involved in cricket, really? Because we, we are sort of out on a limb, aren't we here? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, the thing with it is it allows us to, to sort of test ourselves um, and allows players to have the opportunity to go further in cricket, um, which often that, that ceiling could be or would have been Guernsey as a limit. Um, which is only probably 14 players in a tournament team, which is which is often tough enough to pick as it is. And the youngsters at 16, 17, actually getting them exposure at county level is often probably better than the level we're going to be playing at as Guernsey. Yeah, um, James, just sort of on that point with Charlie and Harry, obviously, I mean, 
over here, we've known they've been talented lads for a couple of years for sure, watching them. When guys like that come to you sort of more as an academy side, do you notice them perhaps, uh, more personality perhaps, uh, the confidence in them? Do you see sort of that needs building up at all because they're from a small community like ours? Um, I think that's a good. Uh, I think it's a mixture. I think it's all. If I'm honest, without it's it's an in, always an individual thing. Definitely, I would say that um, in the past we've had a lot of success with Isle of Wight players coming over, and they've actually been full of confidence, um, and they seem to have quite a, quite you know quite a confident edge about them actually. So I think it's very individual that kind of thing. I think ultimately, I think what's the best thing is exposure mm. and seeing what um, other players do. Uh, seeing what good looks like, I think there are risks of being on a small island because you might think actually I'm better than I yeah. than than you are, but then also you, you you don't know how good you are until you get that exposure to to the right levels. So um, Charlie's been over a, a, a quite a, quite a few times now and trained with our academy, and you can see he's see he's seeing how they train, and it's only eight eight individuals who I think who we sorry we think are very very good and could realistically go on and be a professional cricketer. So they are very good cricketers. And he's seen what that looks like. And I would say he's brought that back, hasn't he, into the nets with the men's. And I would say he's training um, like like an adult. Mm. You know, he's, he's playing with more confidence. And I do think those few sessions have rubbed off on him, as well as other, lots of other factors. So it could be beneficial to him being from Guernsey in terms of, as Phoebe says, our international pathway. Charlie oh, and Harry could be playing yeah, senior international cricket yeah. Well, before they'd be doing it. For I couldn't Africa. agree more, yes. Yeah. So if you think about that, we talk about that all the time. So we have links with loads of other counties, so Berkshire, Dorset. Hmm. It's the same analogy there. You know, those top-end Berkshire and Dorset players do suddenly have, a, have that advantage because they can play high up in their minor counties in a, in a national tournament in that, get ahead of the curve, and then they, we get identified by us. Um, so they then get into our pathway. So the, the, having those two pathways is a is a real advantage, and um, and Jersey have used that really well. They, I, I think I think um, they've done it really well recently, and I think they've got a few players that have that have really pushed their their first team, um, and they've had a lot of success. Who are now actually trying to break in or have a genuine chance of breaking into county cricket, which is a pretty impressive feat. Yeah. A jersey are never short on confidence. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I have noticed that. <laughs> and you alluded it, uh, alluded to it at the start, kind of you know the fact that cricket has changed and is changing um, all the time. As, as far as uh, the academy setup is concerned, what what kind of thing are you looking for from young players, skills and and personality wise these days? Yeah, I think I think the game is definitely game is completely changed so a, 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 um, a championship cricketer or a test match cricketer compared to a T20 cricketer they are, it is completely different the, the way the game is played um, but strangely enough we're still in a position though in county cricket that you're still looking for someone that, that can adapt to all of it okay we, we, I don't think anyone's in a position yet to go right we are purely going to focus on a T10 or a T20 player I think it will happen but we need there'll be need need more money, more facilities. Like I still think we're looking at that person that can can um, adapt really well to, to scenarios. That's really good under pressure. So that's the mental side of it. And then you're looking at that athlete, someone who moves well, is is good across all sports. You know, it's all obvious stuff, but it's true. Uh, they are the ones that excel. Uh, players that already are really good play hockey as well at a high level, or football, or rugby, or basketball, whatever it might be. Um, and then it's the specific skill set. You know, you're looking at, at a, it's really important to make the point that they've got to be really good at a skill set and then they've got to be really good at fielding. And I think that's the biggest change 
in a pathway of the last 10, 15 years is that fielding is absolutely crucial to that. So have a really good main skill. You know, don't be an all-rounder, a main skill that's really good, has a point of difference, and then be a really good fielder. Um, and you do that, I think you've got a you've got a, you've got a chance of being a really good cricketer. So those are those are, that's where it's probably changed the most. But we're not we're definitely not looking for or in a position yet to go right. We're definitely saying, you know, you're going to go down a T20 route. We you know we keep it we still keep it very broad because we want to learn everything. Because then I think you can skill you can get the skills into them quite quickly in whatever yeah. field they're going to go into. Yeah, because Furby obviously for Guernsey kind of as a national team, um, the focus is. The short, the shorter formats of the game, of course. Um, I know when Frithy kind of came back in as director of cricket, you know, obviously he spoke about wanting to see Guernsey succeed um, in international tournaments, but also the dream being to produce a championship cricketer and someone who's going to play long form cricket. Is that in terms of the way you kind of coach and develop the young players in the island? Is that is that the same kind of ethos that it, it's kind of creating someone who can do everything in cricket and then and then you work from there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I- our age groups actually play a lot of red ball cricket as well, um, which obviously isn't shorter format. The ball swings a bit more. It's harder to bat against. Um, you, you know, as a, as a bowler, you can be a skill, a lot more skilled with the red ball, uh, whereas a white ball often just goes sort of dead after 10 overs. I find uh, hard enough playing the white ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a strange one because our, our senior stuff is all really T20 orientated. Um, and with that, the only route back into 50 over cricket is through T20 cricket. So it's a really strange sort of way of getting back into 50 over cricket is by doing something which is often on a mat as well, which is not nothing like cricket really. Um, and then you can get back into 50, 50 over cricket like that. Whereas our juniors, it's all 50 over cricket for under 19s through the ICC, no T20. So it, it's just a complete change. Um, so the balance of trying to develop cricketers for us is we want them to have really good fundamental skills to get them to play 50 over cricket, longer format cricket, and be able to adapt to T20 cricket a bit, what James was saying there, the adaptability of going between formats. Um, I think for us is they, you know, I, I still think a strong 50 over player can adapt quite easily to a T20 cricket, whereas actually a, a T20 player might find it harder to, you know, pick the right ball to hit for four or six. Whereas in 50 over cricket, you've got to have that discipline of, of picking your right ball. And we sort of saw a bit of that last year when, when Hampshire came over. Um, they sort of dominated balls, which we'd probably block as senior cricketers and maybe get a one. And they were disappearing into the 3G and over my head at deep square sort of thing. And it was, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of feeling of, well, this bowler just missed his length by a millimetre and suddenly that ball's six. Um, that that was from their T20 background, but they played that in 50 over cricket as well, but also adapted to that. Yeah, I mean, more specifically, perhaps with, with the bowling aspects of it, James, especially with Charlie and Harry in mind, I mean, would you work on their, would you work on any variations with them in terms of their, their bowling, um, uh, certainly as sort of medium or fast bowlers, would you work on a lot of different variations they could use throughout sort of cricket formats? Yeah, I think you, you definitely have to in T20. I think... Um, yeah, I think that's an absolute given. But then you've also got to remember that they are um, going through their development phase, aren't they? They're young, they're teenagers. Um, they're not they're not strong enough yet. Um, they don't know their technique yet. So it's it's about ultimately it's breaking it down again to what does the individual need? Do they need some technical work, which they definitely will do? Uh, where where do they stand with that? Are they consistent with it? Do they know what they what they're doing? And then when they when they're aware of all that, I didn't think you then be, build the skill. So it's, it's a balance of everything. But ultimately, going into a, a T20 as a bowler, you absolutely need a, a lot of variation. Um, but um, if you're able to bowl straight and hit the top of the stumps, 
at any level. You know, you've got to look at Shami. That's all Shami does. Yeah. Uh, you you can be the best in the world. So I think it's a, it's obviously always a combination, and then it, it's knowing when to do it, which is about being a streetwise cricketer. And that goes back to a point I really want to make is all of this comes down to opportunity. So mm-hmm. one of the reasons we go we go to Guernsey as an academy is like it's a really good opportunity to have a week with the guys playing different teams. We also play as an academy on a, in the Saturday League as well, um, which no other academy does in the counties. And we get so much from that because it's all about experience and opportunity. Mm-hmm. So going back to what, what makes a cricketer, well, as many games of cricket as possible makes a cricketer because you learn all the elements. So the more you play, the merrier. And it's great to see um, Charlie and Harry, particularly at the sort of sharp end of, of kind of development locally and, and doing well and sort of blazing a trail there. What, what are the numbers looking like overall, though, Furby, at the moment? It sounds like things are heading in the right direction. Yeah, so we've, uh, for the first time ever, sort of split age groups because um, we've got too many in, in, in each age group, uh, which is a good problem to have. Um, and going back to James's point, we've created a fixture list, which sort of every... Um, age group is going to go and play at least sort of 12 to 15 fixtures. Um, so that's sort of our roles have changed with the GCB. I, I sort of do a similar role to what James does for, for, for Guernsey cricket. Uh, and my, one of my aims was to get as many fixtures as possible. Um, we've also then entered our under 15 side into the Guernsey bowl competition this year. Um, and you know, they're going to have something like 21 games of cricket, which is just massive for 15 year old lads that we can then develop into, you know, Guernsey cricketers in the future. Um, I think it's that, that point about more contact time. Um, we get to see them for a few hours a week for coaching, but actually you can't replicate game practice uh, and actually learning those skills and putting those skills to practice in a game environment, um, which you obviously can't do in the falls of Elizabeth College Sports Hall yeah. um, in the winter. <laughs> yeah, uh, come the summer, that that's massive. Yeah, loads and loads of fixtures. Um, and then a, a sort of redevelopment of our local fixtures as well for junior league is what's what's been happening in the background over the last few months so yeah there's plenty there's going to be more fixtures than ever before um our sort of challenge now is finding venues <laughs> and making sure that we can host all the fixtures and and also sponsors to help us out with getting off island um which is quite key because that's that's the real way the the boys and the girls cricket is going to develop yeah you mentioned elizabeth college there obviously um uh, kind of cricket at that school continues to be strong and and, and yeah produce lots of lots of good players. But you've also got a bit of a, a, a new focus on the state schools, on the secondary schools. Um, just tell us about that project and and kind of what's going on there. Yeah, so um, one of the challenges over the last few years has has been getting into the state schools and actually delivering uh, cricket as part of the curriculum. Um, whereas fortunately, college Elizabeth College and and Ladies College actually have that on their on their curriculum. Um, so that's quite a, a tough challenge. So we've now started an after-school club for the state schools on a Monday. Um, it's just a couple of hours on a Monday evening, and it gives them an opportunity to train. Uh, trains at grammar school, or, or Lavarans as it's now known. Um, and yeah, we've got sort of, we're looking to get on their curriculums as well and deliver more and more cricket. I think it's sort of been no secret that the lads at college have often developed further because they've had more opportunities um, whereas they get less opportunities at state schools and that's, that shouldn't really hinder them um, to actually then go and play cricket so yeah for us it's a huge focus um, we've had sort of between you know 12 and 20 kids turning up to that which is which is amazing um, and you know that's I think that's been running about five weeks now so to have that many in with limited advertising limited sort of exposure it's been really good uh, and then sort of our aims there is that we would go and play the colleges in in the summer um, and that'll give them some fixtures as well. And long-term aims is, is a tour down the line. So right. again, just more cricket, really. Because I mean, traditionally, you know, some of our best cricketers have come uh, yeah, from Guernsey, have come from from state schools, haven't they? And 
yeah, it's you know, it's sort of for, for a small island, um, you can't really ignore. You wouldn't want to ignore um, what could be such a kind of important part of the game. No, exactly. I, th I think obviously Gareth uh, Stu wasn't wasn't a, a college lad. He was a, a state school. Uh, Lamar, there's no way he was passes eleven blocks. That's for sure. <laughs> so I mean, Stu was captain for what ten, ten years, maybe. Uh, I think eight. Right? I think he was eight. Eight interns as captain. I think he was. So, so, mm -hmm. so an ex captain wasn't uh, Josh. The most recent captain uh, was through. Um, I think Josh was since Sumpsons was he, and then and then grammar school. Um, so. You know, and at the moment, I think there's a pretty much a 50-50 split in the squad. So actually, if we don't look after that, then down the line, that's, that split won't happen. And actually, selection isn't then selection because we haven't got enough people to select from. So it's something we are really, really focused on. Uh, and actually, our numbers within um, from primary schools going into, into state schools is, is hugely up because we've actually looked after that for probably the first time in, I don't know, as long as I've been employed. And that, that's been five or six years now. Yeah, brilliant. And um, James, I mean, this issue between kind of private and state uh, cricket is not unique to go. No, it's it's every path. Every pathway is um, is working really hard right now now on it. And um, yeah, it's something that uh, Charlie Freeston, academy director, and, and me, um, we're very very passionate about it. We started up our state jets program at Hampshire about five years ago. And that's just giving uh, players that get in our county system extra coaching alongside their county program. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier. I just feel like it's um, it's um, all players that get the uh, they do catch up. Everyone, can, you know, talent does get to the top, but you want it to be you want it to be on a, on, a, on a level playing field, don't you? And I think that when you're in an under twelve session, it, it, sometimes uh, the players that are more curious, a little bit more confident in the group, you generally find they are um, from the the private background they have that ability just to be able to communicate with the coaches better they know more about the game because they've had more coaching and that's the bit I want to try and um, break down is that confidence in sessions because unfortunately as coaches we all do it we naturally bias towards the one that show show more curiosity or yeah. slightly more confident or happy to ask a question or we've had a little bit more coaching when actually we've got to try and narrow that gap so that's our main focus of the state jets and, and to give them some ownership identity and we actually play the state jets versus all the prep schools and the private schools on a Saturday morning, lots of fixtures. And they are brilliant fixtures because you've got the real competitive edge of both sides of the cricketing world, the private and the, and, and the state. And they are fantastic games of cricket. So yeah, great. And that's what, five years in, I mean, do you feel like you're making a lot of progress with that? Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say in terms of percentage of players, so talk about the 50-50, I'd say we're about, we're, we're 55, 45%. Uh, towards which is towards state, which is pretty good. Um, it's more about the uh, the level of player, definitely, definitely, and the inclusivity of it. I, I would say it, it's it's looking better in that way. But and is your hope that eventually the work that's going on in Hampshire and, and around the counties is going to feed through to the national side? And, and yeah, definitely. Well, in our academy, it's always about fifty fifty. So we've got, I think, we've got ten on there at the moment, or eight or ten, and it will be, it will be half and half. Um, and I think historically it's, it's been a very strong state school sport, as we've just mentioned there. But recently it hasn't. And I think it, I think it ebbs and flows. But yeah, definitely, I think it will progress. But um, we've also tapped into our cities as well. We've got uh, an inner city academy going on in um, in Southampton at Cantel School. That's been that's something that Charlie started a couple of years ago. And that's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and we want to be doing one now at Basingstoke and in Portsmouth. So we're just trying to get more people playing cricket, which is what it's all about at the moment. And just to come back to, to Charlie and Harry, um, what will this season look like for them in terms of having yeah. involvement? Well, what we have, so 
uh, we would have we have a we have an academy side and we have a, a an ECB under 18s competition. What we also have is an under 17s team. Now, I've actually this year provided more fixtures for that group because every year is different, and we've actually got quite a quite a strong group of 17s. So I've gone out my way to speak to the counties and organise some friendlies. So because of the travelling element to it, you know, it would be it'd be it would be wrong of me to say right, you've got to play in the 18s ECB games. What we're going to look at, we're going to look at as many of these 17s games as real realistic and try and get them over hopefully for a little period of time and get some two-day cricket into them some one-day games into them and and see how they go um and you know like i said every individual is different and we've got to do what's right for both harry and and charlie for the season but yeah they've just got to keep seeing how much we can do because it is difficult isn't it because on an island but get as much cricket as possible that's, that's realistic get the right type of cricket but essentially i think they i think it's a compliment to those two i think they would um, I think they would add to a Hampshire under-17 side. And that's a really good analogy or you know, a good gauge of where they're at at the moment. And that's a real compliment. So I think they they're very much would get into a Hampshire under-17 squad and I've got to try and get them as much exposure as possible. That's really good to hear. Just finally, Fervy, I mean, it feels like it's been a little while, a few years since we've kind of had young players involved in this kind of way um, with the county setup. I mean, it, just what can you say about the example they're setting to, to perhaps, you know, this sort of 11, 12, 13 year olds who are maybe looking at uh, pursuing or, or enjoying their cricket, let's say at the moment and, and showing a bit of potential. Yeah, I think, I think it's huge. Um, we, we often use them as examples um, within training, you know, Charlie's got a lovely bowl in action himself. So actually I was using him this morning in a, in a session with a, an under 13 player just to, to show about his bowling action and how we can replicate that. Um, it's not only in age groups either, uh, the way I watched Harry and Charlie train last night in the men's, they sort of set the environment of the the way they go about their training uh, and sort of like the intensity they they bring to that um, and sort of like James was saying, the, the way they've sort of kicked on and, and their uh, confidence around that sort of group was probably because of the exposure they're getting. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's massive for, for Guernsey cricket. Well, thanks very much, guys, for coming in and, and chatting. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll talk a lot more cricket soon because uh, yeah, there's a busy summer ahead. Um, lots to get into. So uh, yeah, thanks again and we'll see you soon. Uh, thank you. I'll see you. Yeah, see you in a few weeks. James Tomlinson and Ben Fairbrush uh, speaking to Gareth and I there. And yeah, Gareth, um, really good to see, um, particularly those two youngsters um, getting those opportunities over there. Because as we said in the piece there, it's um, it has been a little while since we've had players who have kind of um, been sort of flirting with the professional game. Yeah, I suppose it goes in cycles, doesn't it? Um, certainly sort of back in the day when I was a teenager, there was a certain Lee Savadon who was making waves and uh, went on to become a professional. And then um, in more recent times, Tim Ravenscroft sort of made the same, uh, made took the same route towards going to the professional game. Um, didn't quite sort of turn out as perhaps they would have hoped, but um, that was the sort of quality they had. And now seeing the likes of uh, Charlie and Harry get those opportunities to go and show what they can do and, and learn more about the game. I mean, obviously, it's great when you see them over here at 16 or even 15 a couple of years ago, sort of playing in Division One over here and showing that they've got plenty of ability. But as uh, James said in that piece, it's all about the exposure and getting more matches at a better level and than... Um, and being able to mix it with guys who are in the Hampshire Academy who will be very, very driven to become professional players, um, it, it can only be good for their uh, progression. And, uh, yeah, I, th I think uh, they've, they've got plenty about them. Obviously, um, Charlie is uh, he's, he's pretty much already a, a fixture in the Guernsey men's squad. Um, and he bowled really well last season. I'll be looking to see, looking, really interested to see how he comes on. 
and um Harry has definitely got a, a yard or two of pace about him. I think he was the one who rushed more Division One uh, batsmen than than anyone last season. And you just sort of hope with Harry, because with his dad being a former Siam Cup winning captain, that he might fill out a bit more. He's already a really tall lad, but uh, once he puts on a bit more bulk, I think he could be a real handful. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see their progress this summer. And I mean, obviously, Guernsey Cricket has had a, a bit of a, a kind of association with Sussex in sort of going back a, a few years now or sort of before the pandemic. Um, but it's nice to see... Uh, uh, kind of this link with Hampshire because it, it sort of feels like the, the sort of I don't know the natural kind of stepping stone for for local players going to the mainland. Yeah, I suppose it's, we've always had that almost like that link with Southampton in sporting sense almost as well when you think of Matt Letizia as well. But yeah, Hampshire is is perhaps the more the more natural uh, route to go in. Um, obviously, with Jeremy Frith now being back as our director of cricket, you know Guernsey's own Mister Cricket, but he does hail from the Hampshire area and uh, still um, turned out for Sparshot until recently as well. So um, there, there's always going to be that link. He's got the contacts there. And um, if if you've got those contacts, you've got to use them, you know. And he's doing a good job in in getting more uh, exposure for our for our youngsters and, and our senior players as well. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. And but the really important thing I think as um, as the two lads or two coaches sort of really emphasised was to get those matches. And you know, the big thing about this season is getting fixture lists prepared for all age groups, you know, right throughout the system. Um, the men and women, just because that's how you're going to progress. You know, you can only do so much in in a coaching environment. Um, uh, you can. There's no such thing as like match practice. Really, it's either matches or it's practice. There's, there's sort of no middle ground, as far as I'm concerned. And it'll just be great to see uh, our our sort of top end players getting that sort of exposure over the the coming summer. Yeah, there's gonna be lots to get into, um, lots to chat about, and lots to um, cover uh, here at the Guernsey Press. So we'll be right across it every step of the way. Um, and speaking of cricket in the paper, uh, yeah, quite nice and interesting um, story on the back page uh, of Friday's paper um, about a new European cricket series, um, which uh, well a handful of Guernsey players um, could well be involved in, and team manager as well, because uh, yeah, Rob Thompson is going to be uh, heading up a new British and Irish Knights um, side to take on Team Europe uh, in a uh, well nine-match series in Portugal in April. Um, yeah, part of the European Cricket Network, which of course has put on these T10 tournaments, which um, uh, Griffins and Indies have played a part of this kind of European Champions League. And as well, uh, Guernsey's Island side um, uh, have taken on the sort of, um, yeah, the best of Europe uh, in that T10 format. But yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Portugal at the start of April doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, I wonder if we can get on that one, though. But yeah. uh, probably not. But no, it's uh, you know it's just part of the, the ever developing European cricket network. Obviously, like you say, Guernsey went across for the the championship edition, the, the national sides last uh, September, I think it was. And you, you see a lot of talented cricketers there, and obviously they want to showcase the ability of these lads um, more, which is why this uh, Western Shield series has been uh, has been developed. And yeah, it'd be great to see. However, I mean, there's four Guernsey lads um, in Ben Fitchett, Tom Nightingale, uh, Luke Bishard, and Adam Martell, who have been named in the in the initial sort of big group, which who could represent the British and Irish Knights. Um, that's got to be narrowed down yet to a 14-man squad, but you'd, you'd hope one or two of those would would be in the uh, in the final reckoning, and um, it'd be a great experience for them to go there and uh, 
show what they can do amongst uh, some very talented cricketers. Yeah, and that squad's going to be managed by Rob Thompson, of course, is, uh, well, have been heavily involved in Griffins now. Um, Guernsey's senior men's team manager as well. Um, so he's uh, yeah, taken on the invitation to uh, um, to organise that squad. And there could be uh, as many as four Jersey men involved as well. Asa Tribe, Chuggy Pershard, John T. Jenner and Julius Summerauer um, also in that 30, in that initial 30-man um, squad. So, um, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Looking forward to well, we'll have it on the big screen here when it's on. I'm yeah, that's, sure. that's the great thing about the European Cricket Network. And the, the, the sort of the broadcast element of it is absolutely fantastic. You get to watch um, so much of it going on, and it, it it sort of does spread the word about about sort of European cricket. You know that that standard below what you'd call the the full members of the ICC, and uh, certainly uh, a lot of their clips go viral on through uh, social media channels, and not necessarily because of the, the the high standard of cricket. Sometimes it's the the hilarious side of it, but. Uh, Certainly, in in recent times, they've been showing um, uh, the hat tricks bowled by, um, by was it uh, Ben Kimmon who got one for Jersey or for for his club side last year, and um, yeah, so you know there's a lot of exposure through the European Cricket Network, so it's great that we're involved in it. Yeah, and Indy's back off soon as well in the uh, the club tournament. So uh, yeah, yeah, they've got their um, Champions League group. I think it's about around the 12th of March, somewhere around there. They'll they'll be often playing against um, sides from various nations in a in a six team group, and then if they manage to top that group, they go through to uh, finals week. So it's uh, it's another big one for them, and they've got a, a strong side going with a with a couple of guests who you're entitled for what they called wild cards in those so um, they're, they're certainly looking to improve on their initial showing last year where they, I think they learned a lot about the T10 format because it's, uh, it's still very new to a lot of Guernsey sides yeah we'll catch up with them before they go uh, for sure right let's leave it there thanks very much Gareth um, yeah, as I say the best place to follow local sport is in the pages of the Guernsey Press and with us here on the podcast as well so um, yeah if you're enjoying all of that the best way to support it is to pick up a copy of the paper six days a week there'll be lots to read in this weekend's paper and of course report and reaction um, from everything that happens over the weekend uh, in those pages next week um also uh, you've got a few days left to get your fantasy f1 team in um which a lot of people are doing uh, it was very popular this year and um we're expecting a bit of a rush of entries this weekend as uh, as the sort of the diehards uh, leave it late to, to get their teams finalized yeah, it's um, it's in the week we've just had. It's all the all the teams have been um, showing off their new cars, and whatever. So more people are becoming aware that the uh, the Grand Prix are just around the corner, and it, it is always a very popular competition. Yep, the um, the entry form will be going in a couple more times uh, on Saturday, and I think in Monday's paper as well, with the deadline being Tuesday. So um, any in- entries for that still to come in. Um, I urge you to get them in as soon as possible, but we do have a, a great response to that every year, and it's a, a very popular competition raising funds for good causes as well. So, um, yeah, it will be another exciting season. Yeah, supporting the Prio Premature Baby Foundation um, this year, which is great to see. Uh, I think they need to be in to us by close of play on Tuesday. So drop in the door or post them on Monday, I guess. Um, but don't leave any later than that. Um, yeah, do get involved because um, yeah, it's uh, fun to follow along with. Uh, right. Thanks again, Gareth. Thanks again to Upgrade Fitness um, for their support of the show. And uh, yeah, we'll see you with another podcast next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.